Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi, and you're listening to the MedTech Talk Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're a couple of weeks away, uh, June 1st, it's the MedTech Conference. So go to medtechconference.com, check out our great agenda, and of course, register so you will be there amongst the, uh, the leaders in MedTech, both on stage and in the audience. One person who will be on stage and later on in the audience is Mark Leahy. Mark is the president and CEO of MDMA, of course, the Medical Device Manufacturers Association. And uh, Mark will be uh, moderating a panel or a discussion uh, between Holera and Optum talking about pricing. Uh, Mark is a, a man of all trades. Uh, he's busy advocating for the medtech industry. And one area, of course, he's focusing on is uh, reimbursement. We, we talked today about lots of things, though, about the, uh, the medtech tax. Uh, the device tax, rather, uh, the suspension of it and what that exactly means. Uh, we talked a bit about uh, MDMA's annual meeting, which happened recently. And uh, we talked about the new arrangement between United Healthcare and Medtronic, in which United uh, chose Medtronic as its preferred insulin pump provider, which is really kind of rocking the uh, insulin pump world and uh, causing fits for some rivals and, uh, and investors in, in the. Uh, in the diabetes space and patients too. It's uh, it's really a, an interesting move, something we see in pharma, but not often in med tech. And we'll be uh, interested in seeing how that plays out. So uh, Mark's a busy man. We're very happy to have him at the med tech conference on June 1st. And of course, happy to have him on this episode of MedTech Talk. Hey, Mark Leahy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Good to be with you. It's good to be with you. And, and we're not talking about the, the med device tax uh, at this moment anyway. Uh, at least I guess not we... Not for now, but the, 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 battle, the battle was won, but the uh, war remains. And again, this is something that I'm sure we'll get into, but uh, you know, certainly we've put a, a pause on it, but more work remains before we can get this uh, fully repealed. Well, we, we've teased it. Let's, let's just... It's just the, the tax is suspended. What does that mean? And what would it take to get it unsuspended? Well, you know, I think, uh, as you know, since the tax was first uh, discussed six years ago, our members uh, came together uh, collectively and passionately and persistently advocated and educated members on both sides of the aisle about the adverse impact of the tax, the impact it would have adversely on innovation, patient care, R&D. And uh, it was a long, hard-fought battle. Uh, but again, we were able to really appreciate the, the overwhelming bipartisan support to, uh, to suspend the tax. And, um, you know, talking to our member companies, and they've communicated this directly to the Hill as well. You know, there are R&D projects that were shelved that are able to go forward. There's um, some facility expansion that's ongoing, uh, some hiring. So, again, I think the uh, the direct impact of the suspension has been uh, great in the short term. But there are also a number of member companies who are holding off large uh, plans, expansions, or big R&D projects because, again, they need that certainty of the of the full repeal. So, uh, you know, we're just working with our members continually to uh, to provide data to policymakers about the positive impacts of the suspension and why permanent repeal is needed. And I guess you're telling your members, uh, don't relax, keep the pressure on until you get a permanent repeal? Well, that's it. And then we, we, we were at our annual meeting. We uh, had a session about uh, advocacy in Washington and, and grassroots engagement. And, and, and the device tax obviously uh, uh, was a, a, a critical element of, of that discussion. And I think uh, all the companies recognize that uh, it took a lot of effort to get here uh, over the past six years. And it's simply, it's it's not a, 
uh, a guarantee we need to keep uh, the education continuing and, and make sure that uh, Congress gets this uh, issue resolved once and for all, mm-hmm. the full repeal. Well, I, I couldn't resist talking about the tax. Now that we have that one out of the way, there certainly is a few other things going on uh, in Washington, uh, just on at least on the political side of things and, and on the healthcare side of things. As a as a a, a um, advocate for the medical device industry, and not maybe as a U.S. citizen, how are you viewing the uh, the current race for president? Is there uh, any you have any professional slant one way or the other as to how? This may play out for the med tech industry. Well, you know, it, I think uh, six months is an eternity in politics, and um, I think regardless of how the election plays out at the the House races, Senate or presidential, you know, we continue to work with members on both sides of the aisle. You know, talk about the importance of innovation. You know, in in a town where they haven't been agreeing on much lately, uh, it's been great to see the bar, bipartisan focus saying we need to uh, accelerate patient access to improve patient care. Reduce costs, which ultimately I think, again, the medical technology industry is well positioned to demonstrate how they take uh, hundreds of billions of dollars out of the healthcare system by managing chronic disease, allowing patients to get out of the hospital more quickly, back to work, enhance productivity. So, you know, we're, we're confident uh, on, on the value proposition that our industry provides, but it's critically important that we, again, educate members on all, both sides of the aisle uh, and up and down the ticket to ensure that they, uh, uh, as they move forward, uh, you know, again, that value proposition is understood, and and we try to do do more, quite frankly, to maintain the U.S. global leadership position in medical technology innovation. Is the congressional race or the uh, or the potential shift in power in in Congress and and in the Senate is that almost a bigger deal? You think than who sits in the White House for for groups like yours? You know, again, we've been very fortunate. We look back historically. You know, you know, we're coming up next year as the uh, FDA user fee reauthorization. Uh, it's uh, you know done every five years, and whether Republicans or Democrats in control, this is an area where we've been able to generate bipartisan support. Um, you know, 400 plus vote totals. Again, when you look at the medical device tax, uh, we had nearly 80 uh, senators uh, who supported the repeal. So, uh, again, our focus is to ensure that we work with members on both sides of the aisle to ensure that patients have timely access to safe and effective products. And how about on the uh, the Supreme Court side of things? The 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 ACA has gone through some some difficult times there. Is this uh, something you're watching closely? And what's uh, what's the long term impact there for for medtech? You know, again, the Supreme Court's not. I mean, we're focused on kind of the day to day. That's uh, really far out. And I think from a from the ACA perspective, that's I think that's been litigated and don't envision that uh, rising back up. Um, uh, given the, the the contours or the the uh, makeup of the uh, of the court, so again, our focus now is all right in the areas of the in the areas in which the ACA maybe is not working as intended, or uh, there's still you know undefined lines and regulations are being developed or programs are moving forward. You know, our focus is to help ensure that there aren't any aren't any unintended consequences. You know, for example. You know, and this happened through the ACA and also outside the ACA. But you see, um, you know, everyone agrees that we sh- should be moving the healthcare system. You know, paying for value, not volume. That's a great bumper sticker that everyone can get behind. Uh, the question then becomes, though, what metrics translate into quality, and over what time horizon are you measuring? And I think those are still some of the the challenges that policymakers. We had folks from CMS at our annual meeting last week. Even they acknowledge it's hard to. Um, these are some you know challenging issues that need to be addressed to ensure that we really are paying for 
high quality uh, healthcare with with good value, and and again, that requires the right metrics to measure quality and over the right time horizon. And it's not only the CMS that uh, that people are keeping an eye on. I mean, you hear about the the deal between or the arrangement between United and Medtronic regarding the insulin pump. Uh, how, what's your take on that? Is as someone who's lobbying for the smaller companies and and for the almost the entirety of medtech as opposed to one specific company. Yeah, you know, you're right that, that certainly we've been focusing a lot on on CMS and some of the coverage issues there, but uh there are dynamics with the with the private payers as well. Um you know, there's ongoing consolidation in that marketplace that uh has an impact and as you noted, um that was uh, a very noteworthy announcement between uh United and Medtronic that came out about basically only having one insulin pump uh, being in network, uh, effectively excluding all the other beneficiaries from access to that. And, you know, from MDMA's perspective, I've been here, I'm coming up on 15 years. And as you said, I think we have a long heritage of, of advocating for innovative and entrepreneurial companies to make sure that there's open access for, for all technologies, you know, small, medium, and large companies. Uh, because ultimately, we want to make sure that that uh, nothing gets between a physician and, and the patient in determining what's the best therapy technology. Uh, and so I think, you know, consistent with that, we'll, we'll want to make sure that, uh, again, we have open market access for small, medium, and large companies across the board. Right. And how unusual is an arrangement like this? I and mean, we see it on the, on the pharma side more than, than the device side, or is it, is it more common than I, than I realized? You know, I'm not sure. I, I've heard that back in 2006, I think Cigna tried to do this with maybe an, uh, an infusion pump or an insulin pump. And, and, uh, it it uh, never got off the ground. Uh, again, I'm not aware of, of a situation in the device space in which this has taken place. Hi, everyone. Tom here. Just to remind you to uh, use the MedTech Talk code when you do go to medtechconference.com and register to attend the MedTech Conference on June 1st. That's, uh, space is filling up. We've got some great breakouts. Uh, in fact, next week we'll have a, a guest who will, uh, who's gone through a lot lately and, uh, and will be on hand to talk about it. We're uh, hoping to have on the podcast uh, Howard Root, the uh, CEO of Vasco Solutions, of course, who uh, just went through uh, a rather harrowing experience that we uh, talked about a bit in last week's MedTech Talk podcast. Now back to this conversation with Mark Leahy. What are, what are some of the issues on uh, on your radar screen? You know, I think the, the big issue, or there are a number, obviously, but a few of the big issues um, that uh, have been bubbling up and we discussed a lot during our uh, annual meeting recently is that, you know, certainly the FDA trend lines are getting better on the pre-market side. Um, and on the post-market, we're still seeing some variability related to inspections. So those are uh, some big issues that we're focusing in on. Uh, but beyond that, I think while the pre-market side and FDA is getting a bit better, uh, there's increasing challenges related to that lag between regulatory and reimbursement, both with CMS and the commercial payers. You know, sometimes it could be three to five years after a product is cleared or approved by the FDA in which uh, coding coverage and payment is put in place. And, you know, in fact, we had Dean Kamen, a prolific inventor, uh, speaking at our meeting, and, and Jeff Sherman with CDRH was there, and Kate Goodrich with CMS. So it was great that you had the innovator, the regulator, and the, the, the payer all together collaborating and talking about, you know, making the process more efficient. Now we just need to figure out, okay, how do we take the motivation and interest from everybody and translate it into an actionable initiative that, that can actually bear fruit. 
Is there an indication that these groups can come together or could some outside force come in to sort of help mediate and bring them all together? What do you think? Where do we go from here? Well, you know, it's it's interesting you mention that because uh, as part of that session, uh, Valerie Jarrett, who is a senior advisor to President Obama, uh, came and addressed our members. And and she spoke about the critical importance of having, uh, you know, government, both at FDA and CMS, work with innovators to accelerate the innovation ecosystem. And again, I think, um, you know, that uh, uh, perspective coming from uh, the White House like that, I think, sends a great signal that this is an important priority uh, for everybody to work together. And uh, again, I think uh, we're in the early stages here, but I I do sense a sincerity to try to to make these each of these individual elements work more efficiently so that ultimately Again, this is all about accelerating patient access to, to products that can improve patient care and ultimately reduce the cost of care. Are you tracking things at all on the uh, the, the legal front? And I'm thinking specifically about the, the Vascular Solutions' uh, recent uh, win in a, in a trial over off-label uh, marketing. Is that something on your in your wheelhouse, or? No, a- absolutely. And you know, and compliance is a, a key issue for our member companies. In fact, we just brought on. Carolyn Breguer, who's our uh, VP and general counsel. You know, Carolyn has decades of experience and has been a general counsel at uh, uh, medical device companies in the past and also working with companies to help with physician payment sunshine compliance. So, uh, you know, we view compliance as a, a critical issue uh, for both on the educational standpoint to make sure our companies are well-equipped to you know, address these issues. And I think from a you know policy policy perspective as well, I think it is uh, troubling when uh, you see a situation perhaps where, uh, again, it seems to be a disproportionate um, uh, amount of effort going into, uh, particularly in the vascular solutions case, you know, a very small, uh, uh, pr- you know, purported violation. Ultimately, as you noted, the uh, uh, Howard was was uh, deemed innocent without uh, even having to call a, a single witness. So uh, I think, again, when you look uh, at how uh, the environment out there is certainly not one in which it would encourage uh, innovators to go ahead and lead a medical device company, um, uh, given some of the, the, the current environment. So I think that's an area we want to um, uh, try to work with our members to both educate them on uh, having robust compliance systems, but also try to sensitize policymakers and, and folks here in Washington about a right-sized approach to uh, to enforcement. And is that something that... Uh... Is is resonating with with your members? Are you getting calls from people who are con- concerned about this this pursuit? No, I'm. I mean, you you the H memo coming out of of the Department of, of of Justice talking about you know more criminal prosecution for executives in all, all sectors of of industries. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this is irregardless of intent. Um, you know, this is something that uh, uh, I think you're getting folks' attention and. Again, if, if folks are out there knowing and knowingly and willfully breaking the law, that's one thing. But uh, it seems like in many of these cases, these are um, minor fractions, if, if or in some cases not infractions at all. And yet, it seems that uh, again, there's a disproportionate uh, amount of attention and effort going in to try to prosecute these cases. And just finally, you mentioned uh, you did have your annual meeting recently. Uh, what uh, any takeaways from that? You had uh, new commissioner uh, Califf there and. Uh, was he well received, and was his his message uh, uh, well received from yeah. uh, your membership? You know, I think you know we were excited to have Dr. Califf there, and again, Kate Goodrich from CMS, Jeff Shuren, Dean Kamen, uh, uh, Tamara Sarek Jensen from CMS. So you know, we covered a lot of a lot of territory. I think uh, for Dr. Califf, it was his first time he was addressing our members, and 
again, we all want to try to make sure that um, uh, FDA has the resources it needs and, and is working in an efficient manner to ensure that patients have timely access to safe and effective products. So, uh, again, as we go forward, uh, we look forward to, to, to building that relationship. He did acknowledge, you know, proactively, which I thought was helpful, the um, you know his background had a significant background in the drug arena and that, you know, folks shouldn't be worried about him taking a, a, a drug review paradigm and superimposing on the device world. He understood the distinction between drugs and devices. That wasn't his intention uh, or approach that he would take. So, uh, again, I think that message and others were well received. And as I said, there was a, a significant participation from CMS and, and uh, trying to accelerate the coverage process there. Um, and, and narrowing that lag between regulatory and reimbursement is, is, is a top priority for the association because we, we just work with so many uh, smaller, mid-sized companies with novel technologies. And if you're truly novel, you don't have an existing code, you don't have a coverage policy. So uh, there's a lot of effort that, that is required to uh, so that we remedy that situation, again, to make sure that patients and physicians have access to the technologies they need. Terrific. Well, I'll let you go. I appreciate you taking the time and especially appreciate that you're coming out to the MedTech Conference on June 1st to, uh, to help moderate a panel with Dennis War and Optum to talk about the, the paying and getting, getting paid for your, your devices and trying to, uh, trying to survive in this uh, increasingly difficult world. Well, Tom, thanks for the time. I look forward to seeing you next month. Excellent. Take care. Mark Leahy, thanks for joining us on MedTech Talk, and I look forward to seeing you in Minneapolis. Uh, it should be a great day, and uh, anyone listening should be there as well. So go to medtechconference.com to register. Use that MedTech Talk code to save a few bucks, and uh, we will see you in Minneapolis.